Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, ritual, and the occult. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kate. I am so, so thrilled to be here today. Same here. We have a lot of exciting stuff to chat about today, including our favorite Sabbath, Samhain. Before we begin, I would love to introduce my co-host, Kristen Lizenby. Hi, Kristen. Hi. (laughs) Fun fact, everyone, Kristen and I have never met in person. Through the worldwide witch web, Kristen and I first became friends when I was seeking out someone expert in crystal gridding. Kristen and I soon bonded over gardening, celebrating witchiness, talking about her goats and my dog, and speaking about the occult. When Kristen invited me to speak all things magic and alchemy with her, I immediately said yes. Kristen is a writer, dreamer, and word witch. Although she was born and raised in California, she's been living in the Azores Islands for nearly three years. When she's not writing, you can find her digging in her lunar garden, caring for her beloved goats, and working alongside her partner to re-envision their century-old farmhouse. Kristen has worked with Tame Wild Apothecary since 2017, where she creates monthly rituals, articles, and musings for her fellow witches. She received a Bachelor's in Modern Language and Literature from Cal Poly, an experience that solidified her love of storytelling and all things magical realism. I highly encourage all of you to go check out her social media accounts for all things homesteading in the Azores. And again, those goats, my heart. Thank you, Kate, for those kind words and for making my life sound so magical, or better yet, for reminding me how magical everyday life can be. But enough about me. I'd love to share with our dear listeners a little bit about you, my co-host, Kate Ballou. I don't know if you remember this, Kate, but when I first met you via Zoom and I asked you who you were, you told me that you were a poet. That comment really stuck with me. I thought it was the most refreshing thing I'd ever heard. It was so liberating to hear someone define themselves by their passion instead of a list of work-related accomplishments, especially since the purpose of our call was to speak about a potential job opportunity. But beyond Kate's poetry, I can't overlook the other work that she shares with the world, because it's pretty magical in its own right. The more I've gotten to know Kate, I see that her contribution, whether it be in the field of nonprofits, immersive theater, health and wellness, herbalism, diversity, tech, or psychedelics, embodies a level of authenticity that can only be shared by somebody who has found their true calling. Simply put, Kate has a way with words that only a poet possesses. 
She is interested in helping others craft their content, tell their stories, and connect with their creative powers, while at the same time honoring hers. She has a master's in fine arts from Sarah Lawrence College and is currently a student of the plants at the Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine. I'm just so excited that we are calling in together between the Azores and Brooklyn, New York City, both completely full of magic in their own right. Today, we'll be talking about every witch's favorite fire festival, Samhain, or as we remember it from our childhood, Halloween. What are you doing for Samhain, Kristen? Well, as you mentioned, I am currently living in the Azores, where nearly everyone celebrates the Christian version of Samhain, All Saints Day. So we don't have trick-or-treaters on the 31st like in the States, and instead they start coming to our door around 9 a.m. on November 1st and continue until about noon or so. But for me personally, since Samhain falls on a full moon this year, like so many others, I'll be harnessing that energy for a full moon ritual. I'm a big fan of mirror gazing and pendulum divination, and I've recently acquired a detailed family tree, so I might try to combine those elements and see what messages come through. What about you? How are you celebrating the Witch's New Year? I will be celebrating a very Brooklyn Samhain. I have a little fire pit cauldron here in my garden, and I love to do rituals with fire. The full moon on Samhain is an incredibly potent and special treat, as it's a blue moon, I believe, also. I keep an altar here in my apartment that I rotate through seasonally and will think about what I'd like to be honoring, calling in, releasing, and shedding. And as I'll mention and talk about, I almost always wrap poetry into my rituals as a form of spell work, so I'll probably be crafting something there. More on that later. I'm feeling a lot of serpent energy right now, to be honest. Yes. And I also really want to hear more about that family tree later. (laughs) (laughs) Before we begin, I'd like to remind everyone that pronunciation is difficult. So much of what we learn is through reading. And so if we misspeak, maybe you just haven't heard it pronounced that way yet. We hope that magic and alchemy will be a source of inspiration and legend, storytelling and folk medicine, and we hope that you will write to us, create community with us, and share in our love of all things that call to us from beyond the veil. And now, to Samhain celebration. Yes. Okay, so to start us off, I'm going to share some background about our favorite Sabbath, and what to expect if you're ever invited to a dumb supper. I like to think that no matter our heritage or spiritual beliefs, October 31st is the most significant Sabbath to witches and pagans. It's the Witches' New Year, the third and final harvest, All Hallows' Eve, and the final spoke in the wheel of the year that we know as Samhain. Most of what we know about Samhain, and what I'll be talking about today, comes from centuries-old Celtic traditions. But while we won't be getting into it right now, there's plenty of evidence to suggest that Samhain has roots leading back into the 10th century, and perhaps even the Neolithic period. But like so many old-world traditions, Celtic legends were typically passed down orally, and some of the magic was lost to the ages. But let's talk about what we know. 
Samhain is Gaelic for summer's end, and for ancient Celts, it quite literally marked the start of winter. In the days preceding Samhain, animals were slaughtered, fields were harvested, cellars packed, and families prepared for the arrival of deceased ancestors and other spirits. Now, with practice and patience, we can communicate with ancestors and spirits any time of the year. But in the days leading up to and following Samhain, the veil that separates this world, the world of the living, with that of the spirit realm, is believed to be at its thinnest. This means that for many, including ancient Celts, it was a preferred time to leave offerings for fairies or other spirits that might play tricks on you, visit a seer, or host a dumb supper. Kristen, I'm wondering where that name, Dumb Supper, comes from. Yes, I'm really glad you asked that because it's one of the first (laughs) things that I wanted to know too, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. So if you don't already know, Dumb actually refers to being silent, which, and I'll explain why in just a minute, is one of the more crucial aspects of this ritual. But before I go into the details of what a dumb supper entails, let me just say that for anyone who has never gardened or farmed on a large scale before, that harvest season is a long and laborious few months. It can be tedious, frustrating when things don't go to plan, but joyful and rewarding when they do. But mostly, it's backbreaking labor that was absolutely necessary if you and your family were going to survive the long winter months that lie ahead. So... That's part of the reason why Samhain was such a big celebration. Harvest season was finished, and you could finally pour yourself a glass of homemade beer or wine and take a rest, all the while admiring the fruits of your labor. Which sounds pretty nice. Yes, especially after just months of sweating in the fields. It was definitely the time to celebrate. But if we know anything, we know that we can't take all the credit ourselves. It takes a village, or in this case, a village and the watchful eyes of those who came before us, to bless us with a bountiful harvest. Hosting a dumb supper on Samhain was a ritual designed to honor our ancestors, giving them a place at our table to speak, if they desire to do so, and share in our bounty. Late at night, after the community bonfires smoldered to ash and everyone's hearth fire was lit, communities would set about preparing for a feast. Children would cover the table with a white tablecloth and set extra place settings for as many ancestors or spirits as they expected to visit. If you knew your ancestors' favorite foods, you would of course cook that to entice them to join you. The preparing of the meal was a joyous event. Older family members would share stories about great-great relatives with the younger generation, and just before dinner was served, a lit candle was placed in the windowsill as a final invitation. Although the kitchen was filled with laughter and stories for the past several hours, upon reaching the table, the atmosphere shifted to a more somber tone. One by one, each family member made a toast to anyone visiting from the spirit world and poured a small libation, usually in the form of wine, onto the tablecloth. When the toasts were finished, so was the conversation. Speaking, even in hushed whispers, was forbidden until supper was finished and the table cleared. Have you ever hosted one? No, but I would love to. (laughs) Um, I don't believe that it's something my immediate family would be interested in, and most of my friends that identify as witches are spread out all over the world. So 
maybe you and I should test out a virtual dumb supper and share that experience in a future episode. Not what the makers of Zoom anticipated, but I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) They would understand. (laughs) So back to what we were talking about, dumb supper meaning silent. Mm. Silence is crucial in ritual, divination, and when trying to communicate with the dead. Our senses are heightened, and we observe and interpret things differently than if we were surrounded by constant chatter and other noisy distractions. While eating dumb supper, family members were silent but focused. They were looking for any sign that someone from the spirit world had joined. Anything from a gust of wind, a flicker from a candle, a creaky floorboard, or a bug landing on the table was considered a message from an otherworldly visitor. At the end of the meal, family members would sit and discuss their experiences and piece together a message, usually in the form of a warning or blessing from their ancestors. Wow. As you're talking about this, I can't stop thinking about how the table is treated like an altar, which I think is just so delicious and beautiful. Long tables with candles filled with the harvest, everyone's silent and in prayer. Yes. Um, Whenever I think of an ancestor altar, I think of offering plates overflowing with a person's favorite foods. So a dumb supper, to me, is essentially an altar at which an entire family can sit. If it were me, I would also incorporate some photos of my ancestors and one or two of their personal items into the table setting. And while dumb supper is associated with Samhain, Preparing a ritual meal to communicate with the dead is something that we can do any time of the year. Many of us have ancestor altars that are getting extra attention right now. Leaving an offering of food and drink along with a short meditation is an effective and undoubtedly simpler way to show love to our ancestors without hosting a large meal for the entire family. And for anyone with tricky family politics or who simply doesn't align with their ancestors or heritage, There are plenty of goddesses, deities, and plants that are aching to communicate with the living during the magical day that is Samhain. And speaking of plants, I'm going to pass the mic to Kate for some green magic and small spells to honor the spirits that lie beyond the veil. Thanks, Kristen, and thanks for that beautiful knowledge and wisdom about Dumb Supper. I'm looking forward to our one-day virtual or maybe in-person Dumb Supper. That would would be the best. (laughs) Agreed. Herbalism and working with plants can also help us create a healthy relationship with death. So... As in nature, all things have a season, and when we are able to approach our own life with acknowledgement, we work toward a healthier relationship with the dead. Like Dumb Supper, working with herbalism can assist us in communicating, releasing, and honoring. I recently acquired a book called The Secret Herbs of Samhain by Ellen Everett Hopman. So a lot of the information I'll speak about today is from there. Thank you, Ellen. Apart from being a student of herbalism, I'm also a poet, as Kristen mentioned. So I'd like to start with a few lines from William Carlos Williams. I was cheered when I first came to know that there were flowers also in hell. 
flowers in hell are just really the energy I'm bringing today, along with <laughs> sort of Samhain poetry vibes. Yes, <laughs> yes. So before I begin speaking about plants and working with them, let me just say that not all plants play well with all people. So please consult someone, your local herbalist, a doctor, someone who knows your medical history and perhaps has a relationship with these plants before using any of these and just consider the following legends and folk medicine and not a one-on-one consultation from me. A medicine that I've been working with a lot lately is hawthorn. I love it in an infusion thanks to a wonderful chat with green witch Robin Rose Bennett. In this book, I learned more about working with hawthorn in a ritual sense, which I'm excited to share with all of you today. If you wish to work with hawthorn, sleep or perform a rite under a hawthorn tree and you may see fairies. Add hawthorn to a ritual fire. Hawthorn in the Irish tradition, belongs to the fairies and may perhaps be a gateway to other worlds. The Irish warn that it is bad luck to mess with a hawthorn, though. The sacred tree has many medicinal uses, however, something that I just learned, Celtic bards once stood under hawthorn trees to craft curses, what they called a poet's black magic. But if hawthorn isn't for you... Maybe rosemary feels right. Rosemary is the herb of memory and remembrance. What better plant to listen to during Samhain? Honor the dead in your own memory and burn rosemary as a rite of protection. In Sicily, fairies lie concealed under rosemary as they pretend to be snakes. Burn rosemary at Samhain in a ritual fire. Place on an altar or add to your dumb supper feast. Throughout this book, there were so many fae references, which I found fascinating. I think we'll definitely have to talk more about fairies in the future, but found their presence, the Samhain, along with the presence of the dead, to be especially palpable. Yes, and I'm just going to interrupt you really fast, Kate. Uh, But for our listeners that don't know you, you have quite a bit of experience working with the Fae. And so I'm just curious, can you speak from personal experience when it comes to um, using rosemary and hawthorn to communicate with them? Or is there another plant, perhaps? Yeah, I think that, you know, I first really fell in love with the Fae and fairies when I was a small child living in rural Michigan And my sister and I, we would kind of make these potions, like what we could find between our mother's and our grandmother's garden. And so from from my memory, there was a lot of birch and um, also rose petals that we would kind of make into these oils that we would rub onto our eyes and like hope that we could see the fairies. Um. (laughs) That's beautiful. I love that. That's the best. And so I feel like those and, you know, when I think about kind of the most psychic herbs now, plants that I love, I definitely think about mugwort. Mugwort has always been a very beautiful guide to me, um, especially in dream spaces. So you may try like gathering or drying mugwort and making a smoke cleansing bundle, a tea or an oil, or maybe even a dream pillow. Have you worked with mugwort at all, Kristen? 
Um, a little bit, mainly in putting it in like a like a smoke bundle, mm-hmm. like you like you were saying. Um, so using it in a ritual sense like that, uh, mm-hmm. before going to bed, just trying to surround myself with the smoke. That's pretty much my only experience with it. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's my favorite way too. You know, I have a friend who swears by smoking mugwort as a favorite nighttime ritual. So that can also be something to consider. Yeah. Her namesake is Artemis or Artemisia. um, And she is also a favorite goddess of mine to call on. Mugwort helps you open your third eye, but she can also offer protection. You can wear a crown or belt of mugwort during a ritual to keep you safe or hang it over your door. Here at my apartment, I have a potted plant of mugwort in the backyard, and growing mugwort can help you connect with your own psychic powers. Relationships with plants are really about the personal experience, in my opinion, though, so any plant that you enjoy working with that brings up memories or was special to a person you're connected with beyond the veil can be interacted with in a ritual sense, the Samhain. I often think about moonflowers as a way to reach my grandmother, for example. I mean, obviously, moonflowers are quite poisonous, so just trying to connect in with the vibrational energy of the plant. Yeah. So, as with anything, I would suggest listening and silence first. Like with Dumb Supper or any ritual, it's important to honor that space. What can the plants teach you? What can the plants communicate that the dead may be passing along? Working with mugwort and keeping a dream journal could be one way to start. I keep Rowan over my doorways here as a protection spell. Maybe you just want to sit at the base of a hawthorn tree and dream of those poets from years before us. But whatever you do, do it with awareness, kindness, and a deep respect for other living creatures and for the web we all exist in. Mm, That's beautiful. So I have to ask you, why do you think that plants are such an effective tool for communicating with spirits? Yeah, I think that there's something even just in the structure of plants, how they kind of reach below the earth and also simultaneously up. And I feel like that sort of bridge between worlds or between kind of honoring and growing through that liminal space or threshold is so indicative of what Samhain means to me. And also, I think kind of honoring that cycle of things like you and I were talking about, like the the growth and then death all being a part of the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. It, it kind of fits with the as above, so below. Yes, exactly. Kind of what I was thinking of when you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. No. So now that we've talked about plants and dumb supper and all the fun Samhain rituals – Have you decided what plants you're going to be working with this Samhain? I have this image of you in my mind uh, sitting in your Brooklyn garden in front of your cauldron, a little fire smoldering. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to have to go with mugwort. Mm -hmm. I gathered some from that plant back back during the summer and have been drying it here in my kitchen. Um, So I think I'll probably burn some of that... um, A dear friend from Asheville also sent me a 
mugwort made candle that I can't wait to use. (laughs) Very excited about that. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) truly is. But what about you? You know, I've really been drawn to seeds lately. Mm. Um, I know that we all associate seeds with spring and new beginnings, but for me, seeds really align with the energy of Samhain and harvest season in general. Like plants, us humans are kind of getting ready to return to the safety of our shells right now. Mm -hmm. So working with some of the seeds I've been collecting just feels right. And I'm also overloaded with jars of basil, thyme, coriander, fennel seeds, among others. So I have a lot to choose from right now. So you're going to be up to some kitchen witchery this winter is what you're telling me. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Amazing. I can't wait to steal recipes from you. Yes, I'll be happy to share. Awesome. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of Magic and Alchemy the new podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lizenby. You can find us online at East and Alchemy or at K8 Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog magicandalchemy.com. Join us for next week's episode where we talk about all things divination. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time. Mm-hmm.